Section number five of Glimpses of Bengal by Rabindranath Tagore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Kaligram, eighteen ninety one. I am feeling listlessly comfortable and delightfully irresponsible. This is the prevailing mood all round here. There is a river, but it has no current to speak of, and lying snugly tucked up in its coverlet of floating weeds seems to think, since it is possible to get on without getting along. Why should I bestir myself to stir? So the edge which lines the banks knows hardly any disturbance until the fishermen come with their nets. Four or five large-sized boats are moored nearby, alongside each other. On the upper deck of one, the boatman is fast asleep, rolled up in a sheet from head to foot. On another, the boatman, also basking in the sun, leisurely twists some yarn into a rope. On the lower deck, in a third, an oldish-looking, bare-bodied fellow is leaning over an oar, staring vacantly at our boat. Along the bank there are various other people, but why they come or go, with the slowest of idle steps, or remain seated on their haunches, embracing their knees, or keep on gazing at nothing in particular, no one can guess. The only signs of activity are to be seen amongst the ducks who, quacking clamorously, thrust their heads under and bob up again to shake off the water with equal energy, as if they repeatedly try to explore the mysteries below the surface, and every time, shaking their heads, had to report, Nothing there, nothing there. The days here drowse all their twelve hours in the sun, and silently sleep away the other twelve, wrapped in a mantle of darkness. The only thing you want to do in a place like this is to gaze and gaze on the landscape, swinging your fancies to and fro, alternately humming a tune and nodding dreamily, as the mother on a winter's noonday, her back to the sun, rocks and croons her baby to sleep. Calligram, 1891 Yesterday, while I was giving audience to my tenants, five or six boys made their appearance and stood in primly proper row before me. Before I could put any question, their spokesman, in the choicest of high-flown language, started. Sire, the grace of the Almighty and the good fortune of, of your benighted children have once more brought about your lordship's auspicious arrival into this locality. He went on in this strain for nearly half an hour. Here and there he would get his lesson wrong, pause, look up at the sky, correct himself, and then go on again. I gathered that their school was short of benches and stools. For want of these wood-bill seats, as he put it, we know not where to sit ourselves, where to seat our revered teachers, or what to offer our most respected inspector when he comes on a visit. I could hardly repress a smile at this torrent of eloquence gushing from such a bit of a fellow which sounded specially out of place here, where the riots are given to stating their profoundly vital wants in plain and direct vernacular, of which even the more unusual words get sadly twisted out of shape. The clerks and riots, however, seem duly impressed, and likewise envious, as though deploring their parents' omission to endow them with so splendid a means of appealing to the zamindar. I interrupted the young orator before he had done, promising to arrange for the necessary number of benches and stools nothing daunted he allowed me to have my say then took up his discourse where he had left it finished it to the last word saluted me profoundly and marched off his contingent he probably would not have minded had i refused to supply the seats but after all his trouble in getting it by heart he would have resented bitterly being robbed of any part of his speech 
So, though it kept more important business waiting, I had to hear him out. End of section number five.